You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. And I realize that depending on where you're listening to, maybe it's not even morning yet. Like maybe afternoon if you're there on the East Coast. Whatever time it is, uh, glad you're joining us. I'm Al Melkier, your host, and this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And with me a little bit later today is uh, Jim Finch, also from FanRag Sports. And as I, I often like to uh, have Jim on the Sunday show, he writes, among many other things, the uh, Sunday two-star pitcher column for the upcoming week. So that'll be up on FanRag, uh, I would think, very shortly. But you get a little sneak preview here uh, on the show. So looking forward to that with Jim today. Uh, but uh, let's get on with the news. Uh, big, big day for the A's yesterday where they had uh, three young hitters all go yard for the first time in their major league careers. And uh, the probably the the... Real notable performance, well, actually, I guess you could say there were at least two out of the three because we had a, a two-homer performance from Matt Olson, and we'll break that down a little later on the show. But you had the Major League debut of Franklin Barreto, a uh, shortstop prospect who also uh, plays a little bit of outfield. Uh, so he is up and homered uh, in his first game. So nice, nice start there for Franklin Barreto. But we'll uh, get on to that uh homering uh, three, uh, three-peat, I guess you could call it, uh, in Saturday's game later on. Uh, some other notable debuts, not major league debuts, but 20, 2017 debuts. Wilson Ramos back, uh, making his first start of the season. Much anticipated, uh, somebody that people had been stashing in a lot of leagues uh, as a you know, potentially elite catcher from here on out, and uh, made his... his uh, Debut on Saturday for the Rays and in the corresponding move, I don't think very surprising to anybody. They designated Derek Norris for assignment to clear room for uh, Ramos, not only on the roster, but in the uh, catching rotation there. And also for the Yankees, Tyler Austin called up over the weekend. He made his 2017 debut and to make room for him, Chris Carter was designated for assignment, Uh, a hitless 2017 debut for Tyler Austin, but really nice season uh, down in AAA before coming up uh, with lots of power and good on base skills. And uh, so a little bit of that power even towards uh, the end of last season at the major league level from Tyler Austin. Uh, Getting on to some injury news, Corey Seager had an MRI on his hamstring. It was just uh, revealed to be a mild strain. So he is day to day. No serious discussion yet of a uh, DL stint for Corey Seager, according to the Los Angeles Times. Uh, In better news, though, A.J. Pollock is on rehab assignment with AAA Reno, and he could be back perhaps early in Week 13. So that's a situation that you uh, need to keep your eyes on for today and maybe uh, going going into tomorrow as you set your lineups because Pollock becomes an option for Week 13. So a lot more news particularly for the week ahead to get to performance reviews, all that sort of stuff. Jim Finch, stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
Welcome back, everybody. This is Al Melchior. I'm your host for this hour and for this whole hour. Nothing but fan rag fantasy baseball coming at you. So uh, a little bit later on, in fact, the very next segment, also from FanRag Sports, we'll have uh, Jim Finch. Uh, but uh, lots to get to in this segment. And before uh, we get to any of that, you know who can take the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network wherever you go? That's right, you can, because you can now download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley while you're out jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and take the experts with you. All righty, uh, let's get to some more news. Uh, a piece this morning from the Boston Herald that David Price left after six innings uh, in yesterday's game uh, because of some sort of arm issue. Uh, or I heard, you know what? I shouldn't even say that. It just says an unspecified issue. So uh, we don't know what it is. Uh, it is apparently has nothing to do with his prior forearm issues, uh, it is not a blister. Uh, that is as much as we know about it. Uh, but that is the reason why David Price did not come out and pitch the seventh inning on Saturday. Uh, we've got, well, you know what? I'm gonna, I was gonna say we've got some lineup news. I'm gonna hang uh, on to uh, onto that late for later. Uh, because i got a number of other things I want to get to first here. So Jonathan VR and Ryan Braun, they started their Class A rehab assignments on Friday, and since didn't have a show yesterday, figured I'd keep you up to date on that. So they're still in play for perhaps a return early this week. So add those two to the list of, um, of players to track over the next uh, 24 hours or so as you're shaping up your lineups for Week 13. And for your rotation for Week 13, an option to consider is Blake Snell because the Rays are going to call him up and have him start on Wednesday against Pirates in Pittsburgh. Erasmo Ramirez is uh, going to lose his spot going back to the bullpen. But Snell did quite well at AAA Durham during his time down there, uh, or I guess, you know, from Tampa Bay. It's more like up there. Uh, 2.66 ERA and an 8% walk rate, which for him is is definitely a big upgrade. So uh, hopefully Blake Snell can uh, can build on that uh, in his second stint with the Rays of the season. Pirates have been a pretty pretty nice matchup for pitchers uh, so far this year, so he's, he's somebody to consider. Randall Gritchick is going to be recalled. I have not seen any reports in terms of what the fallout will be there, if they're going to you know, go to some sort of outfield rotation. But uh, the report from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch did say that they weren't bringing up Grichik, uh to have him sit. So um, I wouldn't think Tommy Pham would lose time. I have to admit that makes me a little bit nervous as a Tommy Pham owner. But uh, I'm going to guess that they're just going to be uh, rotating uh, some, some people around that, that outfield. Cody Allen uh, on Saturday was reinstated from paternity leave and pitched for the Indians against the Twins. But he, he was brought in the eighth inning. But, of course, with Terry Francona, you can never be exactly quite sure what the pecking order is going to be in terms of Allen versus Andrew Miller. 
Uh, I mean, Allen has, you know, by and large been the closer, but uh, last weekend, uh, Miller was used as the closer, but uh, Allen pitched the eighth in what you could certainly term a high leverage situation, but he wound up losing the game, getting the loss, coming in at a tie game, and then giving up a solo home run to Brian Dozier. So uh, I don't know that this signals any sort of real change in the Indians' bullpen, but it's it's part of obviously a larger pattern that we all need to pay attention to. Cam Bedrosian was brought in in the ninth inning by Mike Sosha, but um, it was a non-save situation. But to me, it sort of looks like inching Bedrosian a little bit closer to getting him in safe situations. Uh, unfortunately, Bedrosian took a non-safe situation and turned it into a safe situation by giving up two earned runs. And Blake Parker actually had to come in and bail him out, and he recorded a one-out save. So that situation there in Anaheim's very, very sketchy right now, very cloudy. Uh, I still think Bedrosian is the reliever to, uh, to speculate on, but uh, it, it's far from a settled situation there. Eduardo Rodriguez is scheduled to throw 75 to 80 pitches in a rehab start for AA Portland this Thursday. That news coming to us from the Providence Journal. And now let's get to that lineup news because I want to make sure you got some of those impactful things for uh, week 13. Uh, Make those a priority. But for the last day of week 12, some lineup news. Nomar Mazzara is dealing with a forearm issue. Not in the Rangers lineup uh, for today. That is at the Yankees. Nick Martinez versus Michael Pineda. And we have an outfield for the Rangers of Delino DeShields, Carlos Gomez, who of course is red hot, and Shinsu Chu. With Rugnet Odor, by the way, DHing in that game. Drew Robinson getting the start at second base for the Rangers. In other lineup news, uh, Yunel Escobar, who has a thumb injury, is out today and that corresponds with the angels calling up caleb cowart from triple a who's been hitting pretty well uh down there and so cowart's in the lineup uh replacing escobar at third base and batting eighth today but cowart's played some second base as well so uh with escobar coming back uh potentially i would think soon but again if you're an escobar owner or want to be one that's uh something to monitor over the next day or two uh, but you know, Coward, I think, could could get some at-bats moving around the infield a bit there. So uh, that's an interesting call-up for, for the Angels. And, of course, he's been you know up and down quite a bit the last few years. Miguel Sano is back in the Twins lineup. He was out with an illness. Matt Kemp uh, was initially reported to be not in the Braves lineup, but he is, it turns out, in the Braves lineup. And uh, let me just check that out for you real quick here. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is at home against the Brewers, and Kemp is batting cleanup and in left field for the uh, for the Braves. Uh, and on the other side of that game, I'm happy to see this. I don't know how excited other people are going to get about this, but Eric Sogard's just been such a revelation. I feel like I've talked a lot about him in, in recent weeks on this show, but then again, you know, he's he keeps on hitting, so I think he's meriting the attention he got hit by a pitch on Friday and came in as a pinch hitter on Saturday. And he is back in the Brewers starting lineup and back in the leadoff spot for the Brewers playing second base. And as a Sogard owner, and I'm also a, uh, a VR owner too. So that uh, situation there with VR and also with Ryan Braun 
uh, is is something that I'm watching really closely because VR could be back uh, early this this coming week, and I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, Sogard is is versatile, so is VR, um, but you've got a very very crowded roster situation there in Milwaukee, and I think it it could be one of those situations that's maybe mildly bad news for everybody where maybe VR uh, you know works his way in and takes the bats away from Sogard or maybe a little hard to imagine this but maybe a little bit from Travis Shaw or maybe uh, some of the outfielders are affected but that's already a crowded outfield situation be interesting to see how the Brewers handle it but it's definitely going to make setting lineups if you own any of those Brewers it's going to make setting lineups in week 13 really really tricky Um, so with Sogard in particular Glad to see him back in the lineup. Still a little hesitant about whether or not to start him even in some deeper leagues uh, in Week 13. And just seeing right now some very relevant Week 13 news, um, Carlos Rodon is going to rejoin the White Sox rotation this week. Uh, This coming from Scott Merkin of uh, MLB.com. And uh, all that Merkin's tweet says is Rodon's next start officially will be in Chicago. So uh, if I hear more on that, and I would imagine probably within the next 40 minutes or so, could hear more about that. I'll pass that on. But Carlos Rodon, I would think especially in deeper leagues, certainly becomes somebody that you're going to have to start this coming week. So... um, Lots of uh, lineups out already. Of course, we've got, you know, first pitches coming up uh, in about 50 minutes. So um, probably not enough time really to, to get through to uh, to all those lineups. But, uh, you know, it's, it's coming up on us, first pitch for today. So definitely something you want to check. But as I have said earlier, uh, we're going to be focusing on week 13 for you. We're going to have Jim Finch in here. We're going to take a look at several of your two-start options this coming week some really intriguing ones some of whom are are widely available so you're gonna want to stick around for that be right back see you on the other side of this brief break everybody you are listening to fan rag fantasy baseball i'm your host al melchior and with me for this segment as promised and as much anticipated by me and by anybody else out there who might be interested in two-star pitchers from fan rag sports jim finch jim welcome to the show thanks for having me again al good to be here yeah great to have you here so i know i've got you here to talk about two-star pitchers but i want to get your take on a one-star pitcher uh, a pitching option that uh, just became aware of. Carlos Rodon's coming off the DL this week. And uh, so now I've seen just over the break several reports about him coming back, uh, but them all saying that the specific date is is TBD. So um, doing the math here, he start, had his last rehab start on Friday, so he could potentially come back Wednesday to face the Yankees at home. But then the weekend series starting on Thursday is the Rangers. And, boy, I like that matchup a lot for a lefty. Um, what what do you think? Uh, do you think even if with the chance of a start against the Rangers, too risky to go with Rodon this week, or you roll the dice? Uh, 
Well, from what I saw earlier, he should be getting, I think it's a Saturday start, so he should be starting the weekend series, so he will draw the Rangers, but it's, I'm always hesitant when it comes to these guys coming fresh off the DL. I mean, the matchup's nice, yeah, he's a lefty, but I, it's it's basically play it by ear. I mean, if your ear ain't whipper out of the way to where if you want to roll the dice on him, I would, but I would probably play it safe and just bench him for now just to, just to wait and see. All right. Well, it sounds like good, uh, prudent, sage advice there. So uh, it's tempting. That's so tempting. Uh, let's get on to the two start options, Jim. Uh, and one that I also find very tempting, and yet there's certainly some downside to starting him, is Rich Hill. But he's got really nice matchups. He's got uh, the Angels at home, the Padres on the road, pretty good the last time out. Is he safe to start? He's safe to start, but... I- I'd say only in leagues that count for wins. If you count quality starts, you're really kind of killing yourself by putting this guy in there because he's not going to go more than five innings. They're baby him pretty much the same way they did uh, Cubs did Kyle Hendricks last year. So I think you just have to accept the fact that he's not going to put up more than five innings. But he should get you to strikeouts over there. He's generally going to keep the score low. And like you said, he's getting the Padre there last, dead last in the league against lefties, and the Angels aren't much better. So... If you start him with, if if you're not counting on a quality start from him, then st- absolutely start him. But quality start leagues may want to look elsewhere for right now. Yeah, yeah, does not go deep into games, that's for sure. Uh, how about Alex Cobb? He's got the Pirates in Pittsburgh, uh, so I think that's a pretty nice matchup. Then the Orioles at Orioles Park. Uh, sorry, I just kind of butchered that. It's Oriole Park, just one one Oriole. Uh, but anyway, Alex Cobb, uh, starter set. Um, he's definitely a start. I mean, he's nothing special, but he's he's been very consistent. I mean, he's gotten at least six innings in eight of his last ten starts. Seven of those were quality. Both of his opponents this week, they're both fairly neutral, below average. And his numbers at home, I mean, his ERA at home is a full point below his season ERA right now. And his whips are one one five. I think he got a start, Cobb. All right. Well, how about uh, Mike Fires, who has had a great month of June so far? It starts off with the A's uh, at home, but then another home start against the Yankees. So uh, pretty tough matchup there. Do you start Fires or you put Fires out? Um, if it's uh, weekly lineups, I would probably sit him just for that Yankee start. I mean, there's, I, yeah, he's done great this month. He's allowed four on runs over 25 innings. But if you look at his last five starts, he had Boston when they had a, when they were somewhat down, but outside of that, he's got Kansas City, Oakland, Minnesota, and the Angels. I mean, he didn't really face any stiff competition to put up those great numbers. And if you look at his xFIP, it's a point it's a point higher. His FIP is two points higher. The Bapit's lucky. The strand rate's lucky. The hard hit rate's a career high. I mean, everything about this guy is just screaming blow up somewhere along the way, and I think that could possibly happen against the hot hitting Yankees team over the weekend. Ah, so fire's blowing up. Okay, not in a good way. Uh, Michael Walker's been blown up a lot, too. He's got the Reds and the Nationals at home. I think those are both pretty tough matchups. I'll be honest, even with the two-start week, I dropped him in a 12-team mixed league. Um, pretty much just out of frustration and, and not really trusting him at all, even with two starts. Uh, is that an overreaction? Not at all, because I did the same thing and picked up Jolie's Chaisin <laughs> for his two starts this week because he's got two great matchups. Well, the matchups aren't the best, but he is at home. He's been lights out at home as opposed to watch. I mean, he's got 
a three five zero ERA and a one two eight WHIP at home, but that's really not saying much. He hasn't he hasn't made it through the fifth inning in five of his past six starts. I mean, that's a major red flag right there. And he he's he's just not himself. I I would definitely recommend dropping him. Stream somebody in this place. You can easily pick him back up later if he starts to turn around. But right now, he's just unstartable. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, glad to have some some company in viewing it that way. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> think even with the two starts could be you know especially with those matchups could be twice the trouble. How about Junior Guerra? Uh, he's also got the Reds, and that's at Cincinnati. Although home starts aren't really a bargain for Guerra either. But then he's got the uh, the Marlins, uh, and that is at Miller Park. Uh, enough there to start Guerra with those two outings. Um, I'm kind of torn on Guerra now. I mean, I, I liked him a few weeks ago, but the, the walks are going in the wrong direction. The home runs are up. I mean, a 5-2-6 walks per nine and 1.67 home runs per nine, I mean, that's that's Fernando Rodney territory. Too. But <laughs> that being said, he is pitching well enough right now. He is at least going six innings. He's getting you somewhat decent strikeouts. I can see him having problems in the future with his with his underlying numbers right now and the lucky Bappett and Strand rate, but for now, I think he's safe enough to start. All right. Uh, now, how about Tyson Ross? I know a lot of people were really anticipating him coming back. Uh, these will be starts number three and four on the season at Cleveland and then at the White Sox. Uh, how are you feeling about Tyson Ross with two starts? I am not touching Tyson Ross right now. I mean, his first start it gave us a little encouragement, but that start with, I mean, against Seattle, that first start was good. But against what, considering what the Blue Jays did to him, he still has a lot of work to do. I mean, he had a 4.19 ERA and a 1.46 WHIP away from Petco, so he has to prove first of all that he's not a Padres pitcher. Second thing is the velocity of his fastball is down to 90 miles an hour. I mean, that's down from 94 miles an hour in 2013, and it's been dropping every single year from since then. And his slider is also down two miles per hour, and that's his bread-and-butter pitch. If he can't get that working, then he really can't be trusted. So right now, leave him on your bench, especially against the White Sox. You don't want to start him against them right now. And hopefully he turns things around, but I'm not too optimistic about it. Yeah, no, no, me neither. I think there's a lot of uh, sort of name recognition, name appeal there with, with Ross, but I agree. I think it's, it's a good week to sit and, and wait, uh, wait and see how he does. Uh, now, we talked earlier about Carlos Rodon coming off the DL. Same deal for Brandon Finnegan. He's going to come off and make two starts uh, at the Cardinals and then in Cincinnati against the Cubs. Uh, is there safety in him getting two starts uh, or just too too risky to, to trust him? I trust him a little bit more than Rodon, but it's basically the same thing I'm taking a wait-and-see approach for him. I mean, it's basically spring training for him right now. His rehab went fine. The matchups are neutral, but still, I'd like to see him throw a few games before I throw him into my lineup. Maybe if 14 teams, 16 teams, something deeper where you have a little bit thinner uh, Options on waivers, you might be tempted to start them, but in 12-team leagues or less, I would take a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, no, makes makes sense in general with the, the guys coming off the DL that aren't you know absolutely top of the shelf. Uh, I don't think Finnegan's quite there yet. Now, a guy that I've targeted, 
And I, I have to say, I've got some misgivings about this, so I'm really interested to hear your take on it. Robert Giselman, who's just really gotten hit around the last couple of times, but I really like the matchups. He's got the Marlins at Marlins Park, and then he's got the Phillies, who are just dreadful, uh, particularly against righties. But uh, So I'm, I'm going with the matchups here maybe more than the pitcher, but uh, do you think there's enough there with Giselman that you, you can trust him with these two matchups? The matchups are basically the only reason I didn't list him as a sit this week. I mean, yeah, he's faced the Phillies, facing the Phillies and the Marlins, but he faced the Phillies, faced the Phillies once already. He gave up three runs over seven innings, and he faced the Marlins twice, giving up six runs over ten innings. So while the matchups look nice, he hasn't had much success against them. And with his last two blowups, the high, I mean, right now the high ground ball rate he's putting up is basically meaningless with all the hits he's giving up. And with the spike in contact rate, I'm not sure I even trust him with this kind of matchup. Like, I, it would you know, so that, the same a... thing. If in deeper leagues, I would probably start him, but in 12-team or less, I would sit him and look for one-start options. Okay, okay, yeah, and there's quite a few good ones out there. Are there any that stand out for you, top of mind, uh, one-start options that uh, you, you would target over Giselman? Uh, one start options, not off the top of my head, but like I said, Chaisin's a two-star pitcher this week, and if you're looking for somebody to replace one of these guys, he would be my first target. I picked him up basically in any league I can grab him in. All right, yeah, well, I'm glad you brought him up again, because I was going to follow up. We have about a minute left, so we actually do have a, a, a few seconds. Uh, so, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the home starts for Chaisin. Uh, anything else to recommend him this week? Any other reason to recommend him? Yeah. No, that was basically my whole line, whole line of thinking. You look at his numbers, he has like a ERA under one and a half at home through seven starts. I mean, the guy's been phenomenal. The Dodgers are a little bit dangerous with the home runs, but that home park should help neutralize that. And the Braves, I'm not really worried about them. They're back to being the same old Braves. All right. Well, uh, good, uh, good deal there, Jim. So, well, thank you so much again for dropping in. Good luck to you this week. And, good luck uh, to you, too. Thank you very much, and good luck to all you out there. So, all right, we will be right back after this break to break down the Saturday standout performances. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And thanks once again to Jim Finch for joining us last segment and uh, getting us caught up on our two-star pitcher uh, options for week 13. Uh, got a couple of news items here uh, to help you out uh, with uh, week 13. So first of all, if you're making bullpen decisions, uh, you can roll out uh, Brad Brock once again. Uh, because from Britt Giroli from MLB.com, we have this tweet, Britain progressing well on rehab. Goal is still July 5th. So it looks like we get to enjoy Brad Brock in the closer's role for uh, for another week. And uh, this from Brian McPherson of the Providence Journal. Uh, earlier in the show, I had um, talked about the report about David Price coming out of the game uh, early, even though he'd thrown six innings, 103 pitches. He could have uh, potentially come out for the seventh inning, did not. Now we know the reason why he has a cracked fingernail, uh, David Price. So I wouldn't assume or even think or expect 
that that would affect uh, his next start. But uh, now that's another thing that we got to uh, monitor uh, coming into the week. And it was, a, it was a pretty good start for Price, but he hasn't really overwhelmed in any of his starts. So maybe that is just the sort of thing that could be a tiebreaker for you uh, that could uh, you know, weigh the scales uh, versus, for one pitcher versus uh, another. Uh, maybe if you, you know, as Jim recommended, you want to start Ulysses Seen, a two-start Ulysses Seen. Maybe that's uh, the thing that sways you. So uh, just a little bit of extra information there on uh, David Price. So let's get to those Saturday performances, uh, break those down, starting with the pitchers. And once again, we've got reason to talk about Austin Bibb and Dirks. Uh, two starts ago, he outdueled Max Scherzer, had a great, great start. And once again, did really well against a really formidable opponent in a really tough park this time. Yankee Stadium facing, of course, the Yankees. Uh, Bibbid Dirks going seven innings, just allowing one run on five hits and a walk with only three strikeouts. But that has been the norm for Bibbid Dirks. Uh, not a lot of strikeouts, definitely pitching to contact. Not walking very many batters lately. In fact, over his last three starts, which uh, also, again, includes that that excellent start that he had against the Nationals, a 3.32 ERA with only three walks over 19 innings, but also only 10 strikeouts over those 19 innings and four home runs. So I think that's a, a nice microcosm of how Bibendurk's profiled even before this nice little stretch that this is somebody who pitches to contact does allow a lot of fly balls and therefore a risk to give up home runs. And uh, because of those pitch contact ways, also not really going to help you in strikeouts. And you really could look at it as, you know, in terms of opportunity costs, that way he hurts you in strikeouts because uh, you could uh, go with some other alternative uh, that's going to give you a lot more in that category. So it's been an interesting run for Bibbins Dirks, uh, certainly making his case to stay in the Rangers rotation. And with Martin Perez out, uh, I would expect that he'll he'll make a few more starts. But uh, I still, even though he's done really well against two extremely tough opponents in the Nationals and the Yankees, I have a really hard time trying to convince myself there's some way that he can sustain this over a longer period. Uh, it's very much Babbitt driven, and as a fly ball pitcher, you can you can. can account for some of that because fly balls, as long as they're in the park, they're obviously easier outs than line drives or, or grounders. But, uh, you know, I don't see him you know, sustaining a sub 200 Babbitt, uh, which, which is what he's had recently. So uh, interesting situation. You know, this is a guy who's a 32 year old rookie. He spent a lot of time in the minors. So he's a great story and, and certainly somebody to root for, but um to be still ale only despite these these great performances. I'm a little bit more intrigued by another pitcher who's been around for a very long time, although in the in the majors, and that's Ari Dickey. Another really good start. Uh he's having a very good month of June. And this against the Brewers, he went seven innings, allowing just one run, same as Bibbin Dirks. On five hits, same as Bibbin Bibbins Dirks. One walk. Uh, so nearly identical lines, but Dickey doubled up the strikeout total for Bibbins Dirks, six strikeouts in seven innings. And uh, over his last three starts, each time Dickey has, uh, or I'm sorry, let me, let me take that back. Not his last three starts. 
because there was one bad start there against the Nationals. So unlike Bippens Dirks, Dickey was not able to master the Nationals. Uh, but over his last four starts, three of them were seven-inning starts with either one run allowed or no runs allowed. So the Nationals were that one blemish for Dickey over his last four starts. Uh, the total over those four starts is 26 innings pitched, 26 strikeouts, and only two walks. So this is a perfect time, really, to play the game of is it the pitcher or the matchup because the three starts that weren't against, against the Nationals and therefore the three starts that were seven-inning quality starts plus, much better than a quality start, were the Phillies, the Giants, and now on Saturday, the Brewers. And the thing is that the Brewers, while overall they've, they've had really good stats this season, they have tailed off offensively. And over the last 30 days, they rank 22nd in the major leagues in WOBA, the Brewers do. So if you go with the recent performance, the Brewers actually look like they're a pretty nice matchup for pitchers. So while Dickey has really put up some great stats this month, he has, aside from the Nationals, had a pretty, what appears to be a pretty easy schedule. And that National start was not a good one for Dickey. So, you know, it's, it's not, again, not like this is, you know, some rookie we're looking at trying to figure out what his profile is. But this is Ari Dickey. We know pretty much what he's going to do. But we also know that, uh, particularly at this stage of his career, the last few seasons, there have been lots of ups and downs. I would say probably more downs than ups. But he has had periods where he's been really good, where he's had really good control, where he's had a lot of strikeouts. And he's in the midst of one of those now. So, Somebody maybe to consider. I would not say in the 12-team mixed league, but maybe 14-team mixed league. I think Dickey's back in that mix. Anibal Sanchez made his second start back up from the minors. Uh, talk about matchups. He gets that coveted, or got that coveted Padres matchup in San Diego on Saturday. And Sanchez went six innings, allowing just two runs on only two hits and no walks. Um, there was... I'm sorry, uh, two runs, one earned run. So I apologize if I did not get that the, right in the first pass. Uh, four strikeouts over six innings. So that's, a, despite overall good results against the Padres, that's certainly a red flag for a pitcher that you're trying to figure out where what level he's settling into. And I think Sanchez definitely qualifies to be in that category. Um, it's been a while since he's been really effective, but uh, I think he's certainly at a stage of his career where a rebound is not inconceivable. So to see him go up against the Padres and think, okay, here's a chance for Sanchez to really prove that he is back to some good percentage of his prime form until they get four strikeouts and five swinging strikes. Um, and also only five ground balls. So a lot of fly balls in the start, a lot of contact in general, Good results. And again, you could succeed against the Padres that way, uh, but it probably gives you a little more real-world value than it does fantasy value. So I think at this stage, Anibal Sanchez, too, is just strictly for uh, AL-only leagues. Joe Ross, he's another conundrum. Uh, it's been up and down this season, uh, but an upstart against the Reds, going seven innings with just one run on six hits and just one walk five strikeouts and 
eight swings and misses in that start. So not, you know, not terrible, but not, uh, you know, blow your socks off. Impressive either for Joe Ross in terms of looking for that strikeout potential. And if he's not missing a lot of bats, despite the good overall results against the Reds, I've got a lot of worries still about Joe Ross. He has a 37% ground ball rate so far this year. And at one point, he was, I think, the leader or very high on the leaderboard and not in a good way in terms of average fly ball distance allowed. That mark is now at 340 feet. Uh, That is very high. So uh, I think there's still way too much implosion potential for Joe Ross to trust him in most mixed leagues. And while we're talking about uh, sort of risk-reward calculations, uh, Denelson Lamette really uh, gives you a lot to think about here. A good start overall against the Tigers, six innings, three runs on three hits, uh, only two earned runs out of those three runs, only one walk. That's a great sign from Lamette. And five strikeouts, which for him is actually, I mean, it's nothing wrong with close to a strikeout per inning, but that's, that's you know, that's sort of standard for Lamette. You figure he's going to get you the strikeouts. The question is, is he going to walk batters and is he going to give up home runs? Of all the pitchers in the majors who have allowed 25 or more fly balls, no one has allowed flies to travel a longer distance than Denelson Lamette. 351 feet on average. Say Joe Ross, 340, that that's a very high average. Lamette exceeds that by 11 feet. That's a lot. That is a lot. So a red flag still there, but on the positive side, last two starts for Lamette, 66% strikes thrown. That is a great, great sign. And 20% whiffs. Well, that's amazing. So um, it's really extremes uh, to sort out there for Lamette. So uh, not sure where that leaves you in terms of the future, but just realize there's a lot of risk still with all that upside. So uh, we're going to head to break. When we come back, we will talk about some of the standout hitting performances from Saturday and talk about what that means for your upcoming weeks. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, let me kick things off this segment by telling you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for your special discount. Uh, Now we're going to get to those three youngsters that all hit their first major league home runs in the same game for the A's on Saturday. That was uh, the first time that that had happened since 1914 uh, when it was done by the Kansas City Packers. 
Uh, I haven't talked about them much on this show, the Kansas City Packers. So all three are in the lineup. Uh, the A's lineup is missing Jed Lowry, however. So you've got Adam Rosales batting eighth and playing shortstop. And Lowry, according to Jane Lee of MLB.com, may see a doctor in Houston tomorrow to get his knee examined. So a little bit of A's news there. Uh, but as far as Saturday's game went, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that was the first game for uh, Frank Liberato, the first home run for Frank Liberato. Uh, Matt Olson been around a little longer, but uh, two homers for him and also two walks. All of this happening at the White Sox. Um, so really big game. They're for Matt Olson, and I mean they—they've they, got some great prospects, and they're now clearly prioritizing them. Going to make room in the lineup for them. Uh, Olson, nice power source, uh, and somebody who can who can get on base as well. So uh, some value there. Uh, going to uh, some other standout performances. Trey Turner, five for five with a walk against the Reds. So the all that on base moxie uh, Trey Turner was able to score four times in that game. And that brought his batting edge average up to 275. So even with a five hit game, uh, Turner's batting average just, you know, in, in you know, good, but not great territory right now. Michael Taylor uh, piled on uh, as well against the Reds with four hits, two of those home runs also a double. So he's up to 10 homers and 14 doubles on the season. I think the power is real. I think there's some real speed there from Taylor. The batting average, I mean, he strikes out a lot, doesn't walk much. So the OBP, the batting average, I think there's some regression coming. He's got a 368 BABIP. And Jock Peterson, uh, it seems that when I talk to other people in the industry or, you know, read responses on Twitter, it seems like people are very, very sour on Jock Peterson. And I understand with all the injuries and underwhelming production, but I have been steadfast in saying that I think that there's still some untapped upside for Jack Peterson. Maybe we're seeing it now. He homered on Saturday uh, at home against the Rockies. That's his sixth of the season. And over his last 10 games, Jack Peterson is batting 333, getting on base at a 512 clip, and he has five home runs. So uh, there's always the worry about sitting against lefties for Peterson, but I think that's pretty much a constant. But he is really starting to come on now. So I think he he needs to get back in the conversation of somebody who should be started at least in five outfielder leagues. Uh, we're talking you know, standard mixed leagues for uh, Jock Peterson. So on that note, I'm going to wrap things up here. But again, I want to thank Jim Finch for uh, dropping in on the show earlier today. And... Uh, Looking forward to getting those lineups up, those rotations set for week 13. I wish you all good luck with your upcoming week. We will be back tomorrow. So please tune in 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. I'll see you then.